Well, hello everyone and welcome to The Dinner Table. I'm Aislinn Campbell and of course with me is... Joe Hilliard. I have this great story that I think feels like it's me setting the intentions for the podcast. I believe that you have a great story. You believe that? Of course, you are filled with great stories. A week ago, Mm -hmm. I noticed that on the little footstool on the porch where I sit and do my meditation and do my morning... Your fancy meditation ottoman? My my very fancy lawn meditation ottoman had a monarch chrysalis hanging on it. And it was perfectly placed and I kept an eye on it and I would look at it every day. Mm -hmm. This morning, I came out and sat down and that chrysalis that I had been watching for a solid week Mm -hmm. had... Burst open, ah. and out was the butterfly. Like, oh, you, oh, you saw the butterfly? Yes, absolutely. Uh, oh, amazing. Like yeah, yeah. coming out? No, I didn't see it like full uh, oh, okay. on coming out, but, but it was like opening up its wings, and you could tell that it was real wobbly. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen a baby livestock born, but like a lamb or a cow or something like that. And they're like all wet, falling down. I, I've seen that. Well, basically, that's what was going on with this butterfly. That's fascinating. This is my morning, okay? I get up out of the bed. I go into the kitchen. I fill my hydro flask with water. I make coffee, pull the chicken door open, Mm -hmm. let them out. And I go sit on the back porch. Right. First thing, I drink a bunch of swallows of water from the hydro flask, like a ton. Then I walk out into the grass barefoot, and I have begun doing breath technique, basically. So... Reach your hands all the way up as far as you can. Look up to the sky. Hold your breath and hold it for four seconds. And then bring your arms down and your breath goes as you slowly lower your arms. And I do that for, I don't know, 10 times. I don't really count. I just do it. And then I started transitioning into these other little like yoga poses. And you're you're building on to this thing that you're creating? Or are you following some kind of guide or article that you read? No, not at all. The only thing I'm following is different techniques that people have taught me. But breathing is the top priority. And then I said, okay, I want to try to see if I can do any push-ups. So two weeks ago, I could do three push-ups. Then I could do four push-ups. Then I could do five push-ups. And now five push-ups, that's easy. I can totally do five push-ups. Do you have a goal? My goal is just to increase and be able to do more push-ups. But are you going for 100 push-ups? I don't know. No. Whatever, go- I don't, whatever you, know you get well there, you know. To know. I don't have that kind of plan in my future. You're just doing what feels good out there. Exactly. So as I walk back over to do my like sit quietly and watch the chickens kind of meditation, I guess, if you will. I've been writing in a writing journal for five years, mm-hmm. but some, sometimes I'm better at it than other times, but uh, I'm, in a, I'm in a good spell right now. Well, yesterday I had run across this other thing that talked about setting goals, visioning, and I'm trying to work through something right now. Like there's a block in my flow. And so, and I don't even really want to put a name on it because I don't really want to put it out there, but I'm trying to break through a block right now. So, so I'm doing this visioning thing and I write these words and I write the gratitude and I'm not even kidding you. Something stopped me. I looked down. Mm -hmm. I can go back to my notes where I was writing and tell you when I saw, when I discovered the monarch butterfly. And then of course I had to stop everything and go like grab. (laughs) There's a nature moment going on in the backyard. This could be an episode of backyard TV. I can see it didn't quite make it. The reason it doesn't go to backyard TV is because there's something different about this particular experience. Because this particular experience is much more spiritual to me. And I set intentions for this particular podcast in that there's an emergence happening. There's an emergence happening in me and where I'm going with my business. There's an emergence happening in our household, in our family. There's an emergence happening in me discovering these certain types of blocks and wanting to move through them and recognizing them. The butterfly moment was literally thinking about processing and understanding that concept of this creepy little caterpillar. It curls up in this weird silk wrapped thing and hangs out for two weeks or a week. And then when it opens up and comes back out, it's a completely different thing. That, that is kind of known the world over for its beauty and majesty. Yes. And, yeah. 
So, so are you in a cocoon? Are you building a cocoon? Are you already a butterfly? I think there's some emergence going on. I think that I am breaking through, like opening up right now. And it's quite possible that I'm in the like wet wing stage because I actually looked that. I mean, I learned about more about butterflies today. You had some unanswered questions? Yeah, I because I was like, okay. What's up with this butterfly right now? What happens when a butterfly emerges? Wet wings. Oh, I understand that. Like a cow, a calf, you know, that kind of thing. Most importantly, I think that there's this element of there's a known block. And I think that because I know the block exists now, it's time for me to go, okay, I see it and I, I don't want it to exist anymore. I want to push it out of me. And so I think that there's an element of that that can even be brought into this podcast and how we move to the next phases. I mean, because episode 52 is... Next week. Next week, mm -hmm. right? That's a year. But I will tell you, because we're going to get there. Meditation TV? <laughs> no, 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 oh. no, no. We're not scripting my meditation. Have a really good meditation tomorrow so that we can talk about it next week. <laughs> Well, someday I'm going to make a lovely video that you can watch on YouTube from my YouTube channel. On if you haven't Ace checked Campbell, that out. the YouTube channel? Uh-huh. And if you out. like dinner table talks, then you will definitely like Aislinn Campbell YouTube channel. I mean, come on, more Aislinn. So let's roll through this podcast with the idea that we're in the final stages of a cocoon of season one. Do you ever think that there's words that I'm using that some people may not understand? I don't know. Block is the one that I'm asking about. You said that you are... How did you put that? I'm hitting a block. I'm inferring that there's a direction you're headed or a thought that you're having and the block is an obstacle to achieving it. Yes. Let me describe it like this. I like to get in what I call the flow. For people that follow law of attraction, they might have heard the vortex, the words like that. But the flow is... I imagine just floating downstream, okay? I'm in the flow. Life is flowing easily. Answers, solutions. Well, I would say that the, the stream that you're flowing down is moving in a direction that you enjoy, a direction that you're wanting it to be. Correct. And then I'm, a block comes along. Yeah, and well, I even thought to myself, come on, you've got to get moving. And my flow spoke back to me and said, uh... I don't know what you're talking about because we're rolling and you paddling upstream. What are you doing over there? And then you begin to analyze that and try yeah. to correct that so that the flow is the correct direction. Right, right. Yeah. Sounds a little magical mystery tour to It's me. a little magical mystery tour. But what it is is exactly what you said. And that is that I start either paddling upstream or there's this huge freaking boulder. And instead of just... But you put the boulder there. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Instead, not only have I put the boulder there, but instead... Instead of just allowing the flow to take me around the boulder, I'm like, what are you doing, boulder? Why are you there in my way? Climb up on top of the boulder, get out of the water, jump up and down on the yeah, boulder. Exactly, exactly. And then I'm going to look at the boulder and I'm going to talk about the boulder and I'm going to, you know, all of that. And yeah. You asked me ignore, today. Ignore the boulder. Move on. You asked me today in a completely separate conversation, in your ideal life, what are some things that you would be doing? And one of them would be getting up early, getting a run in and getting a meditation. I've, I've got a book. My book's over here getting dusty. Time <laughs> for me to pull out my book and blow the dust off and get back into where I know I need to be. And I know that on, I know, and maybe I'll show it to you tonight when we're done here. The first page of that book says, don't stop meditating. Because <laughs> it is our inclination to know the right thing to do. Get more exercise, eat less calories. You know, if that's if that's our goal. Well, for when, but in, not doing those things. That's why I asked about the block. Earlier in the week on the Voices for Wellness webcast, when I talked to Dr. Muhammad Enron, his tips and tricks were start, take baby steps, yeah. keep moving, don't stop. If you fail today, start again tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the only thing that makes me different than anyone else is that just because I stopped doesn't mean that I don't start again tomorrow. We've got some great unanswered questions. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? I'm ready. Unanswered questions. Unanswered question is answering questions that might have popped up if you listened to last week's episode. Oftentimes we speak generally and now it's time to get specific. I knew I wanted to do an unanswered question about chicken bouillon. 
cubes or granules, whatever. I wanted to know what exactly it is, how exactly it's made. And the question we had last week, if you're not going to use that product, what could you use instead? Great soup starts with flavored liquid, Uh stock or broth. Uh And if you don't have it in your house, you may have in the pantry that glass jar of bouillon cubes. And you know that if you stick one of those in a cup of hot water, you get something brown and juicy. (laughs) I guess. Bouillon, be it cubed, powdered, or in granules, is dehydrated broth or stock formed. Now, contrary to popular belief, it's not just made by drying out stock, but by mixing already dry ingredients into a paste and then forming it into whatever, however you're selling it. The most popular bouillon, and I'm not going to say their name. Mm -hmm. These are the ingredients. You ready? Mm -hmm. There are 28 of them. Oh, goodness. In bouillon. In a bouillon cube, 28 ingredients of the most, you know, the most popular brand. Right. When when ultimately what you're making is parts of chicken and water. I'm not going to read them all. Too many. Would you care to guess the number one? Sodium. Salt is the number one ingredient. Sugar is number two. And then listen to these words. I'm not going, I'm not going in order. Hydrolyzed corn protein, monosonium glutamate, <gasps> our favorite. Corn syrup solids, maltodextrins, sodium bicarbonate, silicon dioxide. Now, there's no shortage you're going to be happy to know of homemade chicken bouillon powder recipes online. And with one or two exceptions, we have all of the ingredients in our house right now. Of course. We've got ourselves an unanswered question for next week. What is nutritional yeast? I don't want to get into that today because that's a whole other 15-minute conversation. (laughs) I used to use nutritional yeast, though. It's the vegan cheese substitute, basically. That's the number one ingredient followed by, and these I'm going to read because we're making Picadillo again soon with this, and we're coming back to see if this is a good substitute. Mm -hmm. Nutritional yeast, and then in decreasing order in much smaller quantities, salt, onion powder, dried parsley, dried sage, celery seed, garlic powder, thyme, marjoram, rosemary, paprika, and basil. Fun. Put those together in the right combination. You got yourself a chicken bouillon granule substitute. Interesting. What I was thinking was that when I ate your black eyed peas the next day, that they also could use some bouillon. Because back in the days when I was in college eating black eyed peas, I would add chicken bouillon. Actually, I added chicken bouillon to everything when I first learned to cook. So explains why I was having so many migraine headaches back then. You do have a reaction to MSG. Absolutely. I said last week that the reason why I was hesitant to use Pinterest to do my big recipe project is because it is feminine. And you will attest that when we were editing that podcast, I was a little concerned about saying that out loud because I didn't want it to sound that if something of a feminine persuasion is any kind of negative thing. That you're some kind of a misogynist? I, I'm i not just a misogynist. I'm some kind of misogynist. No, of course not. No, God, no. So I Googled men, women using Pinterest, you know, that kind of thing to try to find the answer. And a lot of articles from previous years kind of backed me up. Here's some headlines. From 2012. So Pinterest is a woman's world. Does that matter? From 2014. Pinterest, the no bro zone. From 2015. (laughs) This explains why no men are using Pinterest. And basically what those articles were talking about is that Pinterest did gear toward women in that when you went to the homepage, there's a lot of wedding dresses and... Every bride was using Pinterest. Arts and crafts. And and that was the algorithm that was happening. I don't even like what I'm saying now because even arts and crafts. I like arts and crafts. I do all kinds of arts and crafts, but photos. Very floral. Floral. There you go. Listen, if you wear floral shirts, you're not very manly. I wear a couple of floral shirts. I love your floral shirts. They're my favorites. Well, you like me just about 25%. So (laughs) that didn't come out right for the purposes of the show, but you know what I mean. So a listener sent us an article after the episode came out last week. And this is just from a few days ago, August 2020, talking about how Pinterest announced that it had reached its milestone of 400 million monthly active users with the growth drivers during COVID mm-hmm. being Gen Z, men, and millennials. Well, here's the thing. If people are trying to do a lot of do-it-yourself work at their houses, they're using YouTube videos for do-it-yourself instructions, and they're using Pinterest to find more ideas, yeah, ideas yeah. and things like that. And we're all at home doing a lot more do-it-yourself projects around our house, or at least we were over the last you know, four months. The COVID-19 pandemic has caused the number of men on Pinterest to make a big jump. There are now 50% more men on the platform than last year. They come to Pinterest mainly for at-home ideas, like how to upgrade their kitchen or to upgrade their look. I think kitchen organization thing is interesting. 
I wonder whether that's a bunch of pissed off wives because their husbands are all up in their business trying to like fix their problems. Because they're not or, going to work yeah. or they're just home more often. Yeah. And everyone's or ready to get everyone is there back a bunch normal? of very happy wives because they're actually finally getting some projects accomplished around the house that they've been wanting to get accomplished for such a long time? And we've got one more unanswered question, but we'll talk about that in a little while. That's going to be fun. Last week... We ended up with a night where, oddly, there were no kids in the house. Just me and you, baby. Which doesn't happen these days hardly ever. Right. Because we have a bunch of them and they're everywhere. They come and go. (laughs) I started out the morning with this thought in my head, like, let's do something special for dinner. But I didn't really even know what that meant exactly. We're not really going to restaurants yet much. So We're not going to restaurants. What do you want to do special, baby? Yeah, what would that be? Do we cook something? Does he cook something really special? You know, and then he's asking me and we're in... We're in one of those days where we're like not communicating very well. So we're kind of huh? staying on opposite ends of the house, you know? And so finally, That's you the say... That's place to be. <laughs> you say, uh, so what kind of special thing did you think about? Did you think about anything you wanted? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And then you go, how about Indian food takeout? And I go, damn, you're good. <laughs> Because that's literally the only thing I had thought of all day long. Well, you're also real easy because when are you going to say no to Indian takeout? Oh my God. I love Indian food. And I don't even have to ask you what we need because our order is usually pretty much the same, depending on who's here. But just the two of us, I know we're getting sog paneer, Uh cream spinach with a delicious cubed Indian cheese. And I know we're going to get the paneer tikka masala, same cheese, but in a masala sauce, which I don't even know how to make, but it's uh, delicious and creamy and creamy tomato sauce kind of thing. I had a new idea. I had a new dish that we needed to get. My best friend, Jessica, who I've talked about in the past several times. When I was over at her house that day at the girls hanging around the pool, she asked me, oh, have you been going to that good Indian food place? Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, we've been getting takeout from there. And she goes, oh, have you tasted the bindi masala yet? No, I haven't. Bindi is okra. Uh Okay, yeah, absolutely. Jessica suggests it. Indian food, masala, okra. So I said, add the bindi dish, whatever the bindi dish is to it. But you did say, as I was leaving to go pick it up, order it, get a little bit extra because, you know, in the leftover mode and how much we love Indian food, we can go down on that Indian food uh-huh. and it can be gone oh, if, if there's want extra, some leftover. If there's kids in the house, it doesn't make it gone. It was, it was a takeout Indian food dinner night and it was special and it was good and we love Indian food. And listen... I don't know whether we've talked about this before, but back in the day, you couldn't get Indian food in Corpus Christi. Right. And every single time I left town, it didn't matter if I was in San Antonio or in San Diego, California, we got or New Indian York food. City, mm-hmm. <laughs> Indian food was on the list of food I was going to eat. And we had some of the best Indian food. It was in Santa Barbara, California. We may have even told this story already we before, haven't. but it was a late night it was a road trip vacation, so we got to our night where we we're going to sleep a little bit later. Got uh-huh. got checked into the Airbnb, and now it's time to eat, and it's like 8 or 9 you know, uh-huh. on a weeknight. Uh-huh. And we found the Indian food place, and the guy served us, and he was super oh, nice. that's not even it. He, they had locked the door. We got there minutes before or right as it was closing, and he had a scowl on his face as he came to the door, knowing that we had technically got there before closing. Mm-hmm. He opens the door, mm-hmm. all scowly. <laughs> you closed. And then we, oh, we, put, gonna, on, we, we put on we the were, Dinner Table Talk podcast for him we and we turned his attitude around. We were traveling. And sorry. <laughs> but if you're closed, you're closed. No worries. No, come on in. What would y'all like? And then we sat, and then he sat down kind uh-huh. of nearby us and we uh-huh. started chit-chatting and uh-huh. uh, we were great friends before. Yeah, were. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and the thing that is important about that particular place, in addition to just the whole fun adventure of it is they made the best pakoras I had ever eaten. Mm-hmm. And they also made fantastic sog paneer that was really fresh yeah. and thick. It wasn't all blended up. And this place that we're going to here in Corpus Christi, Texas, is got that Level. kind of deliciousness. Yeah. Now, it's very Americanized. I know that. Masala, a creamy tomato-based masala, is, is American Indian food. <laughs> like, sure. It's what they've created that we love and we order over and over and over again. Okay, and here's the lesson then. If you don't eat Indian food, you just haven't had good Indian food. So maybe the next time you take out, try Indian food. 
Yeah, the only thing is that scares Americans, Texans, is it's gloppy. It looks different. And it's got different spices than, we're, okay. than we know. That's all right. But the truth is, it's exactly like some of our favorite foods. It's, it's a rice as the base with a del- delicious gloppy mess on top and tortillas, basically. Non. Yeah. And, you know, fried foods. Mm-hmm. And yes, and like I'm saying, it's no different than the, when Szechuan became... Chinese we, food? Yeah. yeah. Like, that ain't Chinese food. Right. Yeah. You said... This is a good way to use all this okra that's coming in right now. I want you, Joe, to make some bindi masala. I did. And I did. You did. Let's talk about that in a little while. Okay. Hey, Aislinn. What? We talk about local food all the time. It's our favorite kind of food. It's all I eat. If you don't know about a local food delivery service where you live, Google it right now. But if you live in Corpus Christi or the surrounding area, your place is Dagon Produce. DagonProduce.com. You go there right now. You order your basket. You get it delivered to your house on a Thursday or a Saturday, or you can go pick it up. I love to see all the different things we're going to get in it. What's coming out of our local growers in August? Use Dinner Table Talks 10 code and you will get a discount, but let's give one away right now. That's so much fun. One of the things that Joelle really loves to do is to take photographs of the delicious food that he prepares. So take a photo of a delicious meal that you've made in your home and send it to us. You can get it to us on Facebook. You can get it to us on Instagram. You can get it to us at talk at dinnertabletalks.com. Just get it to us. We'll pick one at random, and then in a couple of weeks, we'll let you know exactly who won. Then you can take home a box of delicious local goodness from Dagon Produce. But of course, if you don't live near us, if you're going to emulate us, Google local produce delivery. Do it in your town today. Remember last week when you said that you don't like to go to the grocery store? I have a weird relationship with public events. I said, oh, that's your whole introvert extrovert thing. Mm -hmm. This is the final unanswered question of the episode. You are one of the weirdest people I know. Go ahead. (laughs) That's very well said. Part of my intentions for this podcast when I talked about emergence at the beginning was talking about authenticity. And I think that one of the things with authenticity is for me to be able to be very clear about the fact that just because I'm very extroverted, I also am very introverted. When we first started dating, getting to know one another, with the knowledge that I have about introverts and extroverts... You are an extrovert, is Mm -hmm. what I would have said back then. Would you have? Because one of the things as we're reading about what an introvert, extrovert is, and you pulled up a few articles that I had sent around in the past 10 years. How did you do that, by the way? How did you find those posts? I produce one of the best podcasts (laughs) in America, and I've got a very, very big toolbox of skills. How do we get more Americans to know that? Because it is one of the best podcasts in America. I listen to podcasts and I know. We do that thing that we do every week when we ask people to tell their friends. And we hope this week, this is the week that they actually will do that. Please tell your friends. I mean, the last week's episode was our most listened to episode in history. We are on a high trajectory right now. We are in the flow. We're in the flow. You, listener, are our block. Tell your friends. <laughs> no, they're not. Our block is our own block. Our block is that, our own block. That was a joke. When we were reading some of these articles that it said was, we're the most complex and satisfying of all puzzles. The introverted extrovert? Yes. When I heard that again, I thought, I've been called a riddle in a conundrum in a riddle. And, and wrapped in an enigma. Wrapped in an enigma. Exactly. Locked in a mystery. Yeah, exactly. No, Did I'm you call me that? If you weren't out. the one that called me that, someone has called me that. It's a quote from a movie that I don't quite remember. And I'm sure that I have used that while we were talking over the last long, beautiful time together. But you're not the only one because that I've heard that before. The idea that I'm quite confusing. While it seems pretty easy for most from the outside to be able to say, of course, she's an extrovert. She ran for mayor. Of course, she's an extrovert. She runs a farmer's market. There's never been an introverted mayor before. (laughs) But you hadn't done any of those things when I met you. The reason I would have pegged you as an extrovert at the time was because we would see one another in large crowds and you always were captivating and holding the room. Court. Or I'm at always least, holding court. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you like to hold court and people enjoy 
enjoy engaging with you and enjoy the energy you put out and you've got no problem engaging in those conversations, that's very extroverted in my knowledge of the thing. Yes. But if you know me, know me. I liked this one article that you found that talked about the seven things that extroverted and introverts like myself wish you understood about me. Okay, tell me. I think one of the things that concerns me about the introvert side of my extrovert is that people find it offensive when I don't they engage. They have expectations. Yeah, they, they do, expect yeah. me to be extroverted all the time. Some of my stuff, I, and I've, I've mentioned this before, that whole sensory anxiety thing. Some of my stuff, it's that. It's been too much. So, I, I need to back off. So what do I need a refresher in? What do I need to know? Well, my socialization abilities have a time limit. I'm going to give you everything I have when we go to the ACL concert. But by the time we get to the next week, I don't even want to be touched or looked at. I want to be left alone. It's concentrated. At a networking event where I know no one... I'm probably going to duck out early. And, and I, that's the I just truth. Want, see, but I watched you in the mayoral campaign where that's just not acceptable. That's going to be against the goal of you being at that network event. Is Agreed. That, was that hard for you? The walking up and yes. cold introducing? Yes. So when I actually teach college kids about networking and marketing and all of that kind of stuff, you don't have a choice. If you're going to be in marketing field, whether you like walking up and cold handshaking people. You got to put your introvert away for a little while. You have to. And and this is good because I've offended many of acquaintances. I know I have. And that is, yes, I left the event without saying goodbye. And it's nothing personal. And the reason is because it's time for me to step away. And the goodbye might be 10 minutes and I've already given it up. And you might try to convince me to stay a little bit longer or you might make me feel guilty and then I stay a little bit longer and that's not where I need to be. It's time for me to go. My ability to do this has expired. My ability to do this has expired. Mm -hmm. And God, so, so full of oneself and narcissistic. Going to a party is a big deal anyway. If I showed up at your house party, then it meant something to me. Because that's a part of me. It's so hard for me to do that. This is so true. I get surprised when you don't want to go to a house party. Mm -mm, I do not like house Especially parties. Especially when I know that you like the people there. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't want to go alone, but I'm feeling like I'd like to go to this. So come on with me. So number three is I love spending time with people, but need to plan my schedule carefully. So tell me I, about that one. What do you mean? I can only give a little bit of time to a big public event. And with Grow Local, when I was the executive director, I didn't have a choice. I had to be at every public event in the center, answering questions. So was that difficult problems. for you to have to go to that many? Because you never no. let on that well, it was difficult for you. Really, I never let on from a public face. No, you're right. From a public face, I never let on. Oh, no, I got it on the car right on the way home. If I'm out doing public events for my job all of the time, then my private life is not going to get very many public events because I can't, it's too much. It's too much for me. And I don't transition well. When something changes really fast, mm -hmm. like big change, big crisis, solve those problems. You creep I manage up them. to the edge of the pool and creeping up to the edge of the pool takes you a long time and a lot of internal analysis and a lot of conversation with me and others. And you're creeping toward the pool and you're creeping toward the pool and you're creeping toward the pool. But when you decide to jump into the pool, you do a cannonball and it's a very <laughs> big splash. But the transition is hard. It right. scares me and it freaks me out and... I could care two shits about small talk. In fact, one of the things that, one of the stories of that, and, and it's funny because there are certain people that I found myself apologizing to quite often about it. And it's people that are really good when you call them to say, hi, hello, how are you? Good to hear from you, yada, yada, right? And I try really hard to get myself to do that. But most of the time, like 99% of the time, the very first words out of my mouth are going to be productive oriented. They're going to be, this is the task that we have to handle. And there's not going to be any dilly dallying about the weather and how are you and how's your family and all of that. I'm just How's COVID treating you? <laughs> I'm on it. I got, I got a, a task to accomplish and here we go. So that was number four. Number five. Yes, I know I gave a speech or hosted an event. 
I'm still introverted to the core. Oh, but you just had this 300 person event. Well, yeah, but what you don't know about me is that for the next week, I was on the couch watching Netflix after the 300 person event. I put all of it into that. I don't got any more right now. I had to learn that about myself. I had to learn I the had to coping learn skills of uh -huh. it. Used to, I would commit so much and so hard that I would then have to quit whatever I had done before. So it's like, okay, you're on the the board of the PTO for the school district, and now you're going to run the silent auction. And it's like, holy hell, I don't want to do anything else to help you with anything else yeah. ever again, because that silent auction took everything I ever had out of me. <laughs> so don't commit like that, because you, I'm not going to be able to get to the other side of it well, basically. Here's a good one. And this is a one I want to talk about because this is one that I think affects our relationship very much. Okay. Our relationship. Yes. Things that excite normal people intimidate me. Can you think of an example? Horror movies. Oh, yeah. That's... Yes. That, oh, you that, were going something a little more serious? <laughs> that's a little different. Things... Say, read it again. Things that excite normal people... Intimidate me. And it has to do with our relationship? And yeah. And it has to do with uh, introvert, extrovert events, birthday dinner parties, and... Wedding. Oh my God. Being the center of the attention at a birthday party, or for that matter, being the mother of the center of attention at a birthday party, or being the wedding. That I bothers mean, you. I hate it. There is so much anxiety in me when I'm in charge of putting together a, a dinner party. I, I know this about you. Or that I'm the one that it's my birthday well, and all these people have Okay, so how around. does that affect our relationship? I've talked, we've talked very much about wedding planning and the idea of plan. I I'm scared of a wedding. We've done dinner party type stuff. And the answer I was going for was that I'm really good at it. Really good at what? Filling in the blanks for you. If you're over here, like cowering in a corner and trying to pretend like you're not, <laughs> but, but getting the food onto the table and getting the crowd where they're supposed to be at what time. I mean, that's one good thing I think that has really worked well for us is that when I know that I need to be your backstage manager yeah, you at, are a, at a mayor that. event or anything yes. else, yes. I can put all my ego over here uh -huh. and just have the clipboard in my hand and make sure that you're where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be, that the microphone's where it's supposed to be, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Back in the days when the kids were little mm -hmm. and I was planning birthday parties and things like that, right. they used to call me PC mom, psycho coordinator. Oh boy. And it's because I don't handle the, I can handle the coordination up till the moment of the actual event. But then what happens? What's inside of you? What do you feel? What is the anxiety? It's coming from what? Judgment? It's coming from there's, potential failure? There's too much coming at me all at once hmm. for me to be able to process all of it thoughtfully. Hmm. And then example number seven is we shudder when someone next to us on the plane sits down and says, so what do you do? And I'm literally sitting there going, do you see my book and my headphones? Okay. Please don't sit down next to me and start talking to me on an airplane. The, some... the whole part of the trip that I love, the introvert in me goes, oh my God, I'm going to be on a plane for three hours and no one can bother me while I read a book. But your favorite place to be when you're traveling alone is at a strange bar talking to strangers. That's true. So that, how, how does that coordinate? It's the mass quantities of people. And I will tell you that I will get up super fast and leave if the place is really obnoxiously loud. loud. Flashing lights. Flashing lights. Lots cold. of TVs. TVs. Oh, my God. Uh-uh. Well, you certainly answered my question about the whole introverted extrovert thing. And I think that I'm still learning you. Because it's very different than me. Apparently so is all 5,000 people that follow me on Facebook because <laughs> because I still get a comment that someone will say, that doesn't match your brand. Right. You say, um, you say something slightly political. What? I had you completely pegged. You're doing something a little different than I expected you to. That doesn't seem right to me. My new theory about handling that now as I emerge and am authentic, my new theory about handling online criticism is thank you for interacting with me. I appreciate you helping my algorithms. Backyard TV. Tonight's story, it's campaign season in the backyard. Until recently, I wasn't labeling my plants in the garden because the mm -hmm. techniques that I'd been using weren't really working. So I ordered these cute little bamboo. And you'd write basil on it. Uh-huh. And you'd plant some basil and you'd stick it in the ground. I see this all the time. Oddly, my new fancy plant labels have up and left. They're just 
gone? Well, they're either gone or they're like tossed over in another place. <laughs> what the hell could have happened? I guess it's a bird a, lifting them up. A and gust I go, of wind? No, it couldn't be that. And it, it's like it happens in one bed. And I said to you, I guess the squirrels are taking my signs. Yeah, and you were serious. And I was like, I can't imagine a squirrel picking up a... How big are these things? Two inches by three inches kind of thing? No, they're not even that big. Okay, so he picks this thing up, throws it over his shoulder, <laughs> runs up the tree and takes it where? Yes. And you're like, no, listen, Joe, if it's not the wind and it's not a bird, it was like a nest somewhere in and our I backyard. And I can see the camera shows the backyard, so I would see if there was a human I pranking me. I did suggest me. that you needed to check out the cameras to see what Are exactly you pranking me? I told you I wasn't pranking you because that's just cruel and I know how important these plants and labeling them correctly is for you. Okay, well, what I have officially decided mm -hmm. is that it's squirrel campaign season. They look like a campaign sign, you know, like square... And they're stealing my signs to go take and make their own campaign signs because it's campaign season. So in our backyard, it's the Chicken Coop District <laughs> and Nutty. District 1. <laughs> Nutty is running and stole and your sign. And he's the name you know. And you never can find a uh, marker. So, I mean, are they stealing your markers to no. write on their... I don't know about that part Vote of it, Nutty <laughs> for garden number two. And then over here is like... The cool squirrel, and he's got his shaka up. I'm the cool squirrel, and I'm speaking to the surfing squirrel. The socialist is <laughs> gathering all of the pecans so he can distribute them to all of his voters. That might be the best backyard TV ever. I would love to see the debates. Can we get, can, how do we get the debates? I Listen, don't speak squirrel. Do you remember when I told you that I saw a squirrel orgy in our backyard? Yes. Do you think any of those politicians were involved in that? Oh, my God. And are there photos? Oh, my God. But how big is a squirrel's cell phone? It's got to be super tiny. <laughs> hey, it's been two years since that mayoral run. And it's happening now. Like, I know, like it's here weird. it is. I, mean, I saw today the list of mayoral. It's like nine people. Ten people. Ten people? Running for mayor. <laughs> today was the day I remember you went and you got to draw a number out of the hat to see what your order would be on the ballot. My heart was racing like crazy. The introvert in me was like, what the hell have you done, Aislinn Campbell? Oh, you hid it so well, though. <laughs> no, I, no, you hid it I, so I, well. I've been hiding it for a long you, time. Did you ever consider running this year? No. Ever? No. But I might have had a chance at at-large if I'd have run at-large this time. You because think of, at-large Because of the, the mixture of who's on the ballot for at-large mm -hmm. and who's not on the ballot for at-large. Okay, so knowing that you had a chance to win as you see it, do you regret not doing it? No. I love you, Corpus Christi, but I'm going everywhere. And someday I might run for office again, but it's probably going to be bigger than city. Well, great. But probably <laughs> that sounds not. sounds like a lot of work. Probably not. You know what I have started doing? I've started saying the words, I am running a campaign for health and wellness. And I have started saying during this campaign season that if your politicians are not talking about health and wellness as a top platform item right now, then they are not the right politician because we don't have a choice anymore. And we didn't have a choice two years ago, but I couldn't convince people of that because we hadn't had the plague yet. So a level of preparedness for what we're going through now would have been some health-minded talk a couple of years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. Yeah, you because the reason why our COVID numbers are so high is because of our where health. We, where we live. It's because of our health, the health in, in the South under, Texas. Yeah, the underlying and issues. Again, the wellness talk I had with Dr. Emron the other day, we talked about childhood obesity. And South Texas has an extremely high number of childhood obesity. And what he was talking about was we cannot act like the kids can't get it. And then it's not going to be a big deal if the children get it. And the reason is because a lot of our children here in South Texas are dealing with adult onset diseases right and so because they're dealing with the morbidities that are causing the extreme problems we have got to treat our children as if they're elderly folks with high comorbidities and so the politicians in south texas better be freaking talking about health and wellness do you expect them to if they don't, I'm going to ask why they're not. Okay. And I'm going to keep saying over and over and over again, this is a conversation that must be had. I love the notion that our backyard is a neighborhood and that there are campaign signs out there <laughs> and that you're still running. But rather than running for mayor, now you're running for more broccoli and more basil and more tomatoes. I and am. let's all just get healthier. Yes. Well, stay tuned. 
So let's talk about bindi masala again, because I really like bindi masala. And as you said earlier, I did say, hmm, okra season bindi masala. How about you make some of that for us? One thing I've loved about the past year is how the podcast has made me have to throw away any fears of the kitchen. Because if we're sitting here and we spontaneously say, we should do the five mother sauces. Uh-huh. No fear. You just yeah. got to figure out how to do the five mother sauces. But Indian food is one of those things, probably because of my limited exposure to it growing up, as opposed to Szechuan food. And I had no, I had limited experience. Well, of course, I'm not trying to cook it. Well, also. I didn't get into Indian <laughs> food until you and I got together. So, I mean, you had really? more experience than me. Yeah. But you said, I want you to make bindi masala. And I've made sog paneer a few times. And I've made some of our favorites a couple of times. And you, They've been okay. You know, yeah. your, you know your way. Some, Yeah, some more than others. Yeah. But I wanted to do this. I knew we'd talk about it on the show. I wanted to get it done correctly. So I found a chicken tikka masala recipe. I will definitely post it on our social media because it was worth you trying to do in your house. And the only thing that I had to go buy at the grocery store, everything else I had, was cream. And you would probably have to buy, if you've never cooked Indian, some garam masala. I love garam masala. One of our listeners brought up the saffron story. Uh-huh. It's going into the Middle Eastern market and us just not having any clue what we're buying and that awkward situation that happens in the You don't buy spices <laughs> behind the desk. You do um, if it's expensive as saffron. <laughs> I learned that then, but I knew that guy was trying to sell his crack. <laughs> right. But I bought garam masala from the same type of situation. I'm nervously walking into a place that I don't know anything about. I don't know the spices. So we still have the same jar of the first garam masala that I bought from 10 years ago. No joke. It was this huge bag of spices, basically, that got dumped into a jar and has traveled around with me. It's a specific mixture of spices. Yeah. So it's an Indian spice mixture, Correct. basically. Yeah, you could Google, I don't have garam masala and I need it, and they'll tell you how to make it. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll do an unanswered question on garam masala. But I found a chicken tikka masala recipe, mm-hmm. and I was going to add the okra to it. Step one, make some chicken. Go back to the episode where we do the instant pot and a chicken. It's the best way to cook or roast a chicken. Then I knew that I was going to drive you crazy by making this in the house. It takes about an hour to make. And all I'm doing is building a spice profile that smells better and better (laughs) and better as we go. I was sitting at my desk editing. You were getting angry. I got up and I was like, I cannot handle this. This is torture. What's torture? Cracked us all up. I mean, everybody cracked up because just the smell. The smell was so amazing. And You're it like, was I like, had to go outside. I did it. I was starving, first of all. I was starving because the one meal a day was coming at like nine o'clock at night. <laughs> and it was some of my most favorite seasoned spice. I mean, garlic. Oh my God, I love garlic. Butter. Butter. Onions. <sighs> garlic. Ginger. Uh-huh. Yes. You cook that for a little bit. And I love those recipes that say, cook until fragrant. Right. Then you do your spices, your garam masala, cumin, turmeric, coriander, cook until fragrant. Mm-hmm. You were like, oh my God. And then I think you cursed at me and you said, this smells so good. You pour in some tomato puree, chili powder, salt. You let that simmer for 10 to 15 minutes. That is going all It just got over fragrant level upon fragrant level upon fragrant level. Stir in your cream. Add your chicken. Now, I had pre-cooked the okra as per a completely different recipe. Yes, that needs to be talked about. That is work because we talked about that specifically at dinner. Well, the one that I found was talking about how to kind of keep it as slime-free as right. possible. Yes. I hate saying the word slime when we're talking about okra because I don't, don't want to turn anyone off to okra. So I had made the okra. You dump it in at this point, and then you cook it for about eight to ten more minutes so that the chicken's warmed up. The chicken was cooked already. The chicken and the okra gets rewarmed, and the cream and the tomato and everything gets blended. Well, when I was looking up the bindi masala recipes and I was looking very specifically for this tikka creamy Mm -hmm. situation, I ran across several YouTube videos Mm -hmm. of women making these dishes and they're trying to teach Americans how to take their okra and keep it from being a big old slime ball fest. And basically it's don't put water on it, 
cook it and then throw it immediately into the After fryer. After you wash your okra, it suggests that you pat it as dry as you can before yeah. you slice it. So you're not mixing the water from the outside with the inside of the okra. Hmm. I wonder if any of that is just like old wives' tales Oh, too, I'm sure though. that it's all just observation over time and getting it right after you do it. But was there too much? Was it the was okra a, slimy? It was a little slime. I okay. noticed a little bit of slime. So yeah. it wasn't a 10. It was a 9.5. Uh, it was delicious, but it, it could have had a little less okra slime. I made some rice. The recipe that we got from the takeout did not have any slime in it. Right. And they deep fried that okra. And I did not mm-hmm. deep fry, which I guess could be the solution. They took the okra raw and mm-hmm. then threw it in the deep fryer. But to... not with any batter on it. Just no, the no, okra. No, no, just raw yeah. okra. Mm-hmm. And then they added that to the masala that they had already cooked. I did the exact same thing, but it wasn't like a deep fry. I might try that next time. Well, I suppose that this could be the solution to why you might need an air fryer that I tend to make fun of. Your air fryer I don't fries think, your okra. I don't think that so we're that scared of the calories, though. Us in this house, we're not scared of, of the an calories deep fry? of an actual deep fry. Then well, you, you basket we could be it out. better with the oil that we're using, the types of oils that we're using. Oh, that's an unanswered question. <laughs> I know it's a deep, deep unanswered question. It's by a the deep, way, deep, deep fry unanswered question. In the spectrum of health, I have not entered very much into the oil conversation if you listen to the podcast because you too are an amateur chef and you have not delved into indian food this is a good start and the recipe that i will post on our social media it's an hour of cook time after your prep time but it is not hard it is so good i definitely suggest that you try it it's basically Indian goulash. This it's is going delish. in our rotation, don't we're, you think? We're making a lot of ethnic goulashes. We need to make like some borscht when we have beets and we cabbage. And I talked gonna, about the Hungarian paprika. I am growing a ridiculous amount of cabbages, and there's going to be a lot of beets. We can try some interesting winter ethnic goulashes with cabbage and beets and things like that. I'm down. As we get into that part of the year. I'll take your hand. You lead the way. Aww. I'm good at that. Do you want to do table topics? I'm so ready. This is going to be an interesting question, and I can't decide whether it's going to take 800 years or whether we're going to be able to solve it really quickly. What category am I thinking about? Get my mind right, please. This is what would you do? Are the world's ethics evolving or devolving? The world's ethics. Mm-hmm. We're going bigger than America. Mm-hmm. The entire world's ethics. Mm-hmm. Are they evolving or devolving? Mm-hmm. Evolving. That's my answer. There's no such thing as devolving in this question. Right. That's my answer. Ethics. Define ethics. Agreed. Should we try? Oh, are we going to try to avoid an 800 year long question? I don't know. We might need to avoid Evolving. You're like, yeah, I agree. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, define ethics. Okay. Well, I believe in Ethi- that ethics we're evolving same as towards good. Are ethics the same thing as morals? The uh, dictionary says they're not. That would be a good question for Dr. Huey, my ethics professor from college. Okay, we'll give him a call. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Okay. Um, Hello, Dr. Huey. <laughs> some might say that Cardi B's WAP video is some kind of dev- devolution of ethics or morals because look at all that sexuality on display and look at all that skin and you look at all that You know what I have talk. to say about that? Well, I had something to say, but I'd like to hear what you had to say. FOMO. I didn't watch it. Don't care. If you're watching it, then you're a part of the devolution of whatever you call oh, no, devolution. I, I, I completely disagree with you. I think that there's a time and a place for pop culture. And while that isn't an audience for you, if some other music had come out by Van Morrison or some, I don't know why Van Morrison was the one that left to mind, but like one of your favorite musical artists, I know you're a Van Morrison Some fan. of my favorite songs Then you might have paid Morrison's. more attention, but 14 to 25 year olds. And then, you know, that is the music that they listen to. That is the new hot big thing when someone comes along and says this is devolving our ethics is stepping away from our ethics i'll go back again to the exact same thing that i said is you're giving it more power than it actually has i'm gonna get there i remember madonna when i was a kid writhing around singing like a virgin i know stories about we can't show elvis from the waist down because he's moving his his he's shaking his hips on the ed sullivan show or whatever i don't think it's a devolution I think that is an evolution. Now, why did I use such a silly example? The Cardi B WAP video? That's a good example. Because certain people want to use that as an exhibit for de-evolution or devolution, devolution. But for again, getting their own youth. But again, I would say that some people FOMO 
I mean, if you're paying attention to it, then you're contributing to it. And it doesn't matter if you're fighting against it. If you're the war against pornographic, blah, blah, blah. If you're contributing energy into anything. You are making it bigger. You are making it. You are contributing to in a way that you don't even realize. Now, I want to be very careful with the idea that there are some things happening underground that we are not talking about as a human race that we probably do need to talk about so that we can see it, recognize it, and move past it like human trafficking. But the other side of that still is the more energy you put into the idea that there is some morally better than someone else situation means you create more of it. You just do. You create more of it. This is an interesting question because depending on your... And it could certainly turn some people off from us. I'm going to tread lightly. Is America's growing acceptance of homosexuality, changing our laws to make things equal for everybody, a devolution or an evolution? It's you, an evolution. You and I can answer that question. Do you know why I believe it's an evolution? Well, I do want to finish my thought, but I'll let, let go ahead. The reason I believe it's an evolution is because it existed before we called it what it was. Certainly. That no one can disagree with. So making laws to match it isn't devolution. It's but if finally you are catching one, up with what's real. If you are a one issue person, sure. I'm going to vote for the candidate. That doesn't support abortion. That doesn't support abortion. It's a perfect example. That doesn't support gay rights. That doesn't support gun control. That doesn't support you know those, those mm-hmm. famous American things that mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. see a lot of one issue voters on. When did the death penalty become not a one issue They're going to tell people. Because I don't vote for people that support the death penalty. They're going to tell people that it is a devolution. I'll answer a question next week is how do you pronounce this damn word? <laughs> right. They're going to say that because it's the only thing that they think about. And if, yeah. if the world yeah. is moving in a direction opposite of what I want, then that must be a devolution. To me, the definition of evolution is a change that is outside of our control. Okay. Yeah. So you're saying the idea that all that of it you is evolution. We just may not like the destination that we get to, oh, depending yeah. on our point of view. Well, I would take devolution out of devolution, devolution, devolution <laughs> out of the entire equation and not say that's an appropriate word at all. I don't think that that's even what the question writer was getting at. Right. Everything is an evolution. Any Everything. movement forward is an evolution. Agreed. And a collective will ultimately decide Correct. where we where we land. Although I said a lot of words, certainly, I'm not sure I said anything at all. There's certainly a section of people in a bubble that are not going to interact with that and we're not going to see more of it. Don't put any energy into anything you don't want more of, even if the protest of that thing is the energy you're putting into it. Stop banging your head on that freaking block in your way. Burst open Ah. and out was the butterfly. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you. We as Americans are a little too afraid of a typical germs. Well, the average American belly is not going to be able to handle what my belly can handle because my mind is strong. My gut's strong. So, I mean, yeah, the average American's going to die if they do that. <laughs> like, or at least, well, probably shit till they die. <laughs> That's kind of what we all do. <laughs> That's a little... <laughs> 